Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Particular Baptist Podcast. My name is Daniel Vincent, here with my co-host, Sean Cheatham. You can find us and other podcasts at reformpodcast.com. Also, check out our blog at theparticularbaptist.net. And if you would like to support us, we have a Patreon page that you can subscribe to us at, at patreon.com forward slash theparticularbaptist. And we want to thank um, our current Patreon or patron, uh, Stephen, for continuing his support of our ministry. Thank you, brother, for your your help and, and your encouragement in our work. Um, but today we're going to be going through uh, another Dennis Prager episode. We're almost, we're maybe about halfway through the, the Ten Commandments. Uh, we're on Commandment 6 today. Thou shalt not kill, or thou shalt not murder, however you want to translate that. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. We're going to go through Dennis Prager's uh, video on this and um, discuss the commandment. Um, this is... I'd say probably one of the more um, controversial commandments in terms of how it's, it's applied in different areas of life in the Christian world. Um, and so I think this is this is a timely discussion. Um, so we'll go ahead and dive right in. Let me pull up our video. And off to the races. You would think that of all the Ten Commandments, the one that needs the least explaining is the sixth, because it seems so clear. It is the one that the King James Bible, the most widely used English translation of the Bible, translates as, thou shalt not kill. Yet the truth is quite the opposite. This is probably the least well understood of the Ten Commandments. The reason is that the Hebrew original does not say, do not kill, it says, do not kill murder. Both Hebrew and English have two words for taking a life. One is kill, harag in Hebrew, and the other is murder, ratzach in Hebrew. The difference between the two is enormous. Kill means, one, taking any life, whether of a human being or an animal. Two, taking a human life, deliberately or by accident. Three, taking a human life, legally or illegally, morally or immorally. On the other hand, murder can only mean one thing, the illegal or immoral taking of a human life. Did you want to say anything to the, the Hebrew side of it, Sean? Yeah, yeah, I, I did. Um, it's interesting. I ultimately end up in the same spot he does, but I disagree with um him on the the meaning of the hebrew um it's it's funny i don't think uh for any of these that we've gone through there hasn't been one time where i've made at least some comment about how he's wrong with the hebrew which is <laughs> funny because he's, he's jewish but um no i don't think that ratzach um necessarily only means murder um uh, for example, I looked it up in uh, a chalet, the concise, uh, it's a it's a Hebrew uh, lexicon, a concise Hebrew and Aramaic lexicon of the Old Testament. And it has as its first definition, kill, and then the second definition is manslayer. So it is translating it as kill. Um, I also looked it up in Strong's, and that was uh, to murder. So you do have murder there, or uh, or slay, to slay, which, you know, similar similar to killing. Um, but doesn't necessarily have the uh, the immoral aspect to it. Um, so I, 
I, I don't, I don't know where he's, um, he's coming from uh, with saying that Rutsak is only, uh, only means to murder. And I'll, I'll even give a, a, a biblical example for this. Um, so this is Numbers thirty-five twenty-seven, and this is in the context of the uh, the um, somebody's uh, uh, killed someone, and if it's unintentional, uh, they're able to flee to the uh, to the city of refuge and and wait there and not be not be killed by the avenger of blood. Um, but Numbers thirty-five twenty-seven says, and the revenger of blood uh, find him without the borders of the city of his refuge, and the revenger of blood kill the slayer. He shall not be guilty of blood. So it's saying that, okay, if the person has fled, um, but then they're found to be outside the city, the, the Revenger blood is able to kill him and it's not going to be, uh, not going to be, um, his blood won't be held to him. Um, and when it says, and the Revenger of blood kill the Slayer, kill, it's the, it's the same underlying, the, the root word is Ratsak again there. So um, I, I don't, I don't know where he's, uh, he's getting the idea that, it only means to murder. It's only the unlawful or immoral taking of life. Now, contextually, in the uh, the sixth commandment, I, I, I do agree that uh, it means murder. There, uh, I think it's very clear that um, God is not prohibiting all sorts of killing. For example, in the very next chapter, Exodus twenty one verse twelve, uh, it says, "He that smiteth a man so that he die, surely." shall surely be excuse me shall be surely put to death so if you're supposed to put someone to death who's who's killed obviously that's not a prohibition against all killing um so contextually i i do ultimately agree with him that it does mean murder um but i don't i don't think his hebrew is right at all there yeah he he kind of tries to make this this interesting distinction and you don't have to look very far to see that he's wrong on that i mean uh, i don't read hebrew but I, all i had to do was go look up uh you know like strongs and it's like well it could mean kill it could mean murder it could mm. mean this it could mean that it, it doesn't necessarily have one meaning that you have to kind of you know finagle in there so he, he seems to be certainly reading into that um, yeah. a little bit um although ultimately I, I do agree with his conclusion and this yeah. might be so far this might be the uh the um uh episode that we agree with him the most on because uh, aside for this i don't have too many other criticisms for him at least in what he says there's stuff that he should say that he doesn't but at least with what he says he's not wrong yeah that's why we say i killed a mosquito not i murdered a mosquito and that's why we would say the worker was accidentally killed not the worker was accidentally murdered so why did the King James translation of the Bible use the word kill rather than murder? Because 400 years ago, when the translation was made, kill was synonymous with murder. As a result, some people don't realize that English has changed since 1610, and therefore think that the Ten Commandments prohibit all killing. I think it's more like 1611, but okay. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a little... <laughs> it's not little a big deal, but it, it's just yeah. like... Sometimes those little historical details are a little well, in, a, in a very professional made video like this, where it's not, it's not merely that he's saying it, but also you have 1610 flash on the screen. You'd think you'd get that right. And um, I think that the, the translation was started in 1607. So it's not like he even got the, the it, he was just referring to a start date. Um, so I don't, right. I don't know where 16, <laughs> it was, was started quite from. a bit before that. Yeah. Yes. It yeah. took years to put this Bible together. Yeah. Not, not that's, that's a, non-substantial point but it, it, it is sort of interesting 
for us bibliophobes, it, it mm -hmm. is kind of annoying, though, when you see the you understand the history well and then you see that he probably would be the same way if we did something about jewish history yeah and we just said something it might not be a big deal but it's off and it's yeah. just kind of like oh i know this really well and it's like really annoying that you got it wrong mm -hmm. um it'd probably be the same way but yeah i mean he's gonna harp on translation quite a bit and um and that's okay but i don't know if i think he tries to limit the word kill in the in the uh 17th century there in a too much of a limited sense um i think kill was pro it certainly meant murder it, it included it but i don't think it was exactly uh synonymous with it in that you know if you said kill you just meant murder that's the impression i get from what he's saying um so i did yeah. not i did not look at look up that i took him at his word that they were basically synonyms um so uh i i, I don't know um but it is interesting that he recognizes that Hey, these words can be uh, synonymous, at least in uh, in um, early modern English. But then, when it comes to harag and ratsak, uh, no, these are very distinct. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, where I would say that they're not very distinct. Yeah, there, there's, there's, perhaps there's some uh, part of the semantic domain that doesn't overlap, but there's definitely some overlap in the meaning there. Yeah, um, I did do a little bit of research into the etymology of the word kill. Just, you know, I wanted to see what what he was saying. Um, you, I mean, you can see the word kill. It looks like this is from the online etymology dictionary. It looks like you can see the word all the way back from like circa 1200. Mm -hmm. To strike, hit, uh, beat, knock, circa 1300. To deprive of life, to put to death. Perhaps from an unrecorded variant of Old English, quellen, to kill, murder, execute. So you could even see even before the King James came along, it seems that the word uh, included murder, but not, it wasn't limited to it even in that time. Um, and then later on, you see it, it even says in the attested from the 1610s, meaning to nullify or neutralize the qualities of. Um, so, again, it even had generic meaning at the time that he was um, that he was saying this. Um, so it. It's not necessarily um, what he's saying it is. And even I, I even did a little bit of research into, you know, was the word kill used in different translations at the time? You do see uh, in the Geneva Bible, Bible, Exodus 2013, it's translated as kill. Although the foot there's a footnote there, it says, but love and preserve thy brother's life. So, you know, the principle there is to not take your brother's life. Uh, the Bishop's Bible, which, you know, the King James was a heavy revision of and they were the translators were told to stay as much with the bishop's bible as possible it says thou shalt not kill k-y-l-l -L. and then wickliffe's 1382 bible says thou shalt not slay s-l-e um so it, it seems that these words were kind of you know used interchangeably and the, definitely the etymology changed over time but you do see this um i think this general principle of killing uh is there as well um, which would definitely include murder. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. And then, you know, Sean already mentioned the um, you know, Ratzak in from Strong's Concordance to murder, slay. Strong's Exhaustive says to put to death, kill, manslayer, murderer. Um, so it, it, the underlying text is generic, and it seems that the translation tried to be generic as well with the language that's used at the time. Um, and it wasn't something that was exclusive to just murder um so as long as you understand the history of the term and 
uh, its historical context, it's probably a fine translation for the time. And you can still use the analogy of faith to come up mm -hmm. with the meaning, even within that old translation. Um, yeah. If you take them consistently, not that translations are perfect necessarily, but you know, in this case, uh, the word might not be as clear for our modern time, but you can still figure out the meaning, you know, using other passages of scripture. Yeah. And that's, that's the most important thing, right? Um, that we, uh, we look to the rest of scripture to determine our understanding of things. Cause there's so many passages just read in isolation. You could come to an interpretation, yeah. but it needs to fit in with the entirety of the rest of scripture in order to, uh, to work. So, yeah. And if you wanted like a, you know, a thought for thought translation might convey the, the meaning more accurately, but you know, either way, you're still going to get to the to the same conclusion if you're being consistent in your hermeneutic. Mm -hmm. But of course it doesn't. If the Ten Commandments forbade killing, we would all have to be vegetarians. Killing animals would be prohibited. And we would all have to... And killing plants too, but okay. Mm -hmm. ...to be pacifists, since we could not kill even in self-defense. However, you don't have to know how the English language yeah, so he, he he makes an excellent point there, right? We didn't. Um, he's making essentially the same point that we did, although he's not going directly to the Bible to prove it. Um, that well, if we're allowed to kill in these circumstances, this can't be a, a global prohibition against all sort of killing. Yeah. Um, so um, he doesn't end up quoting from anywhere else. He alludes to other places in the uh, Old Testament, but he doesn't um, quote from anywhere else. Um, but at least that sort of thinking is. Um, is uh, better, a lot better than some of the thinking we've seen in uh, the other uh, the other uh, videos on the Ten Commandments. Yeah, he's being much more consistent than he has been in the past. I mean, yeah. he, he he's right. You know, we, we can kill animals. And even in the Old Covenant, killing animals was a necessary part of the ceremonial law. You had to kill cows or kill bulls and goats to uh, to atone for sin in the ceremonial law. So blood spilling was just integrally part of that. But it's the unjust blood spilling that's the problem. And the law even dealt with that. Mm -hmm. um, I have a section here on uh, self-defense from Exodus 22, just two chapters later in uh, the book of Exodus, uh, two chapters after the Ten Commandments are given. This is uh, Exodus 22, verses 2 through 4. It says, If a thief is found breaking in and is struck so that he dies, there shall uh, be no blood guilt for him. But if the sun has risen on him, there shall be blood guilt for him. He, and this is referring to the thief, shall surely pay. If he has nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. If the stolen beast is found alive in his possession, whether it is an ox or a donkey or a sheep, he shall pay double. So you can see a distinction here between killing someone who breaks into your home in the day and killing someone who breaks into your home in the night. Um, and I don't think we should take the specific times a day as strictly. I think the point is that uh, someone's intentions are likely, you know, if you know the intentions of the individual, you shouldn't kill them just because they're coming into the home, right? If mm -hmm. they're just coming to steal something, but they're not coming to do harm to you or your family, uh, then you should, you know, you shouldn't kill them. There should be other deterrents in place that you use to deal with the problem. Um, but if they're coming at night, that implies some sort of nefarious, more than just stealing. Um, it, it, you know, in, or, implies that their their uh, their intentions are, are nefarious, at least in this context. 
or at the very least you can't know you can't know exactly right. it's harder to know if somebody's in at night um what what is their what is their intention you know it's much harder to know and discern which is why there's more leeway given for um self-defense at night than there is in the day yes yeah because in the day you can see what's going on right not and that's not even that's not an absolute because sometimes people can people have come into houses and, and gone into places during the day and kill people mm -hmm. um so the point is is that the intention of the person needs to be known before you can just take their life arbitrarily. Mm -hmm. um, or at least you need to, you know, it's better to err on the side of caution than it is to just take their life. So even you see here that there are rights given to image bearers of God, even when they're doing something wrong, you can't just go and wipe them out just because they're, uh, you know, they're, they're breaking into your home. You have to be careful and cautious even in that. Um, John Gill uh, talks about this. he says quote the person that kills him shall die for it uh and he quotes from the targum of jonathan it says this if it is clear as the sun and so uh jarky that not to kill uh, any he entered and he should kill him there is guilt of shedding innocent blood so again it the intention of the person is clear here you're you know if you can see that they're not here to kill you they're here to just steal yet you kill them you've murdered them um, and that would that would be a problem. Um, but the the point is here that, uh, you know, we we're not to shed innocent blood. So the application of the commandment, the sixth commandment applies here. But there's also that uh, element of self-defense given um, to preserve your own life and maybe the lives of others. So it depends on the situation. That's why we we're using other scriptures to interpret this commandment. Mm -hmm. It's not uh absolute on its face there's other there's plenty of qualifications from other places of scripture that we have to use to uh to interpret this one language has evolved in order to understand that the ten commandments could not have prohibited all killing the very same part of the bible that contains the ten commandments the five books of moses the torah as it is known by jews commands the death penalty for murder, allows killing in war, prescribes animal sacrifice, and allows eating meat. A correct understanding of the commandment against murder is crucial because while virtually every modern translation correctly translates the commandment as do not murder, many people cite the King James translation to justify two positions that have no biblical basis opposition to capital punishment, and pacifism. Regarding capital punishment and the Bible, the only law that appears in each one of the five books of Moses is that murderers be put to death. Opponents of the death penalty are free to hold the view that all murderers should be allowed to live, but they are not free to cite the Bible to support their view. Yet many do, and they always cite the commandment, do not kill. But that, as should now be abundantly clear, is not what the commandment says, and it is therefore an invalid argument. So uh, I've probably heard that argument used before. Um, I've, I've, I, I do. Have you heard that? Oh, yeah. No, I, okay. I remember um, somebody I used to work with made that exact argument. OK. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it. the Bible is forbidding uh, capital punishment. Why are you killing it? 
and they don't they don't know what they're talking about. They're completely ignorant or willfully ignorant of the surrounding text around it and the law itself. Um, you know, we we definitely hold to the death penalty um, for murderers. That's biblical. And, and you don't have to just go to the Torah to find that um, you, it transcends that it's built into creation. Um, if you look at Genesis nine verses one through seven, um, this is the step. This is where uh, God establishes the Noahic covenant with uh, Noah after the flood. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon every thing that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hands they are delivered. Every morning, every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. Well, there's there's more killing going on right here. And as I, and as I give you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh with its life that is its blood. And for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning from every beast. I will require it uh, and from man. From his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. And you be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. So God is simply stating the created order here. You know, uh, be fruitful, multiply, have babies, populate the earth. This is a reiteration of Genesis to the created mandate given to Adam and Eve that they are to be fruitful, multiply and fulfill the earth. But he's also reiterating the dominion of man over creation, right? The animals are food for you. You know, don't be afraid to eat them. They're they're uh, they're there for your good. The earth is there for you to use for man's benefit. That's part of the created order. But then he also gives stipulations for how uh, we're to treat our fellow man. If man's blood is shed, then that person who killed that other person is to be put to death as well. So you can see even built into creation, into this created order, um, this idea of the man being put to death for unjustly taking the life of somebody else. Um, and the reason given is that man is made in the image of God. So again, this is all grounded in creation, and, and this is all reiterating uh, por uh, portions of Genesis, right? In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. This is from early on in the book of Genesis. So because of the created order that God has given, to unjustly take the life of somebody else uh, is such a high crime that it forfeits your own life. And so... Uh, to not take that person's life who is the murderer is to violate the created order that God has given. Uh, but unfortunately, in our world, we do see this push against uh, the death penalty. Um, I know in Washington, the city of Washington, D.C., death penalty is uh, is not there anymore. It's it's not part of the judicial system. And in many other places, it is. You do find it uh, in in some states. But I think by and large, it's been. Uh, it's been eradicated or used in such extreme circumstances um, that it's it, it's almost a unique or an anomaly at this point. Um, and, and, and that's not biblical. If somebody is a murderer and they've been convicted of of that uh, of that murder and they've gone through the proper process, then according to God's word, they need to be put to death. Um, and that's what we see in the created order. But our world pushes against that pushes against that um so this is just more romans one suppressing the truth mm -hmm. that god has revealed 
Um, and you could even argue this is since this is part of the created order, this is part of natural revelation. So God is, you know, he's revealing that this is to be done in the created order and to reject it is uh, to reject God through his creation. This is just man suppressing the truth that we find in Romans 1. Yeah, and I'd like to point out this is given in the context of the Noahic covenant, right? This is something mm -hmm. that's the Noahic covenant is never turned or uh, overturned or superseded no. by anything. Mm -mm. Um, this is still binding on us today, and that's exactly exactly what we see as we progress through the rest of the Bible, right? Um, I know that there are plenty of uh, people out there that want to say that um, Jesus overturned this this sort of thinking. Um, but uh, that's not correct. And I'll, I'll probably uh, address that here after he makes his second point about pacifism. Got some, okay. Uh, verses on that. Yeah. And, and you can see, um, you know, you can see the death penalty in other places, not just for murderers, um, but even for disobedient children. I think we talked about this. Yeah, we in, did. Uh, in the episode on uh, our last uh, Prager episode, but Deuteronomy 21, 18 through 21, for instance, uh, but that's, you know, it's, I think we discussed this already. Mm -hmm. It's positive law. That's not part mm -hmm. of the moral law, created law, uh, creative order. Um, but yeah. I'll also, I'll also note that a, a lot of times people have the idea that like, oh, well, human life is so valuable. We can't just take oh, right. it by having the, the death penalty. And I would say, yes, human life is so valuable. That's why you should have the death penalty. Right. Um, it, because it's such a heinous thing to take the life of someone uh, for their own sake. And also because they're made in the image of God and you've disrespected the uh, God by, by unlawfully taking someone's life. So I think it's actually the, the people that reject the death penalty that have a low view of what it means um, to, to kill someone. And those same people probably also support abortion. <laughs> yeah. so. In a lot of cases. Yes. And so you're, you're, you're going to find a great inconsistency there. Um, as you really push them to their logical conclusions. As regards pacifism, the belief that it is always wrong to kill a human being, again, anyone is free to hold this position, as immoral as it may be, and what other word than immoral can one use to describe forbidding the killing of someone who is in the process of murdering innocent men, women, and children in, let's say, a movie theater or a school? But it is dishonest to cite the commandment against murder to justify pacifism. There is moral killing, most obviously when done in self-defense against an aggressor, and there is immoral killing. And the word for that is murder. The Ten Commandments are portrayed on two tablets. The Five Commandments on the second tablet all concern our treatment of fellow human beings. Now this is interesting because we kind of touched upon this uh, early on in our series that um, you know Prager doesn't really see uh, the even the first five commandments as really talking about um, our worship of God specifically it, it he might touch on it to some extent but it's just funny that now as he gets to much later on in the commandments he now is starting to push this distinction he sees these last five as distinct as felt our treatment of our fellow human beings which the implication, I guess, could be that he sees the first five as talking about how we treat God. Yeah, um, and I was—he didn't—he didn't make that distinction before, and he seemed no. to be very much against that distinction early on. And I was confused about his ordering 
because at least as, as far as I, I'm concerned, it starts with the, uh, the previous commandment, right? Honor your mother and father. Yes, there is still application to God, as there is application to God um, in this commandment, because man is made in the image of God. But um, the 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 treatment of the commandments dealing with the treatment of our fellow human beings started with the previous commandment. So I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I I know what he wants to say. He wants to say this is the worst commandment, right? Or this is the the worst uh, violation, which is why it begins the list. But it doesn't begin the list. That's that's not correct. Yeah. Yeah, it, he starts this distinction after he's gone into the commandments about fellow man. Yeah. It's like, yeah, ah, you're being a little inconsistent there. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I guess to uh, to get into the, the pacifism a little bit, I wanted to, to take this from a New Testament perspective because you do often see people mm -hmm. trying to present Jesus as a pacifist. And, um, you know, we should either ignore or the, the, the Old Covenant um, laws in their entirety have been overturned. Uh, the Old Testament laws have been overturned, or they just say that, like, well, that, that wasn't right anyway. Um, but that's not what's going on. Um, and uh, just some proof text for this. Um, Jesus actually tells the disciples to, to get swords, right? Um, yeah. Uh, Luke 22, 35 through 36. And he said unto them, when I sent you without purse and scrip and shoes, lacked ye anything? And they said nothing. Then he said unto them, But now he that hath a purse, let him take it, and likewise his scrip. And he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. So initially, um, he had sent out the disciples saying, Don't take a, a, a purse for your money. Uh, you'll um, you'll uh, receive from the people that you preach to essentially mm -hmm. um and now he's saying yes that's the way it was but i'm doing something something different here you are going to take a uh, uh, purse for your money and you are going to buy a sword to defend yourself um and this this shows that jesus can do something for a certain time and then uh do something uh different for another time depending on what the purpose he's trying to what his purpose is right um that's that's what we see jesus was didn't come in his first coming as a uh, a um as a judge to to rid the world of evil and, and kill all the evildoers but that will happen at his at his second coming um uh quote from uh matthew nope that's not right where is it um uh, a quote from Luke 19:27, and this is in the context of Jesus telling a parable that refers to himself, right? Um, that uh, he's uh, uh, the the king in the parable is going to go away for a time, and then he's going to come back. And this is how he uh, ends the parable, uh, because there were there were enemies in the parable that didn't want him, uh, the king, to return and receive his throne. Uh, and it says, but those mine enemies, which uh, would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me and kill them before me. Right. So this is in the parable. This is Jesus, the king saying, yeah, my enemies should be slain before me. So it's it's wrong to interpret how Jesus acts um, in his um, in his coming in his first coming against what he's actually said. Right. He's, he never anywhere overturns the commandment. Uh, saying that, oh, murderers should be put to death. He never does that. And he says 
other things that would indicate that, um, no, he's, he's not a pacifist. Not all killing is wrong. In fact, at his return, there will be great judgment. Um, and there, there will be, uh, the, the slaughter of the wicked. Um, so it's just a matter of understanding what Jesus is doing for, um, what time that he's in, uh, what, uh, what period, what purpose, uh, what, what's the purpose for the period that he's in. Um, you do hear it also referenced, um, that, uh, well, uh, Jesus said to Peter, you shouldn't, you shouldn't kill. Right. Um, what he actually said, and this is, um, in the, uh, in the, uh, the garden where he's being betrayed by uh, Judas. Uh, this is, um, Matthew 26, 49 through 54. And forthwith he, that's uh, uh, Judas, came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priests and smote off his ear. Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into his place for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot pray to my father and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels. But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled? And thus it must be. So people take this, this statement and it's, it's Peter. We know that from a uh, parallel, uh, parallel passage that is Peter here that took the sword. Um, they interpret the, um, uh, for all they that have the sword shall perish with the sword as an absolute statement. Um, but that's, that's not correct. In fact, Jesus, if, if we understand uh, what we just read from Luke, uh, Jesus is the one that told Peter to get that sword. <laughs> um, so it, it's not an absolute statement here. Uh, what he's saying is it, uh, if you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. A, AKA if that's the solution to all your problems, you're going to, you're going to, to have that turn back on you because it's not the solution of all your problems. Um, and that's Jesus's point in saying like, well, I, I could have 12 legions of angels and this would be dealt with, but that's, but then how would the scriptures be fulfilled? Because he's come for a different purpose. His purpose is not to um, conquer the world in, in that regard. His purpose is to come live the perfect life and die on the cross uh, for the sins of the world. So, um, so that those that uh, put their faith in him might be uh might have their sins cleansed and uh, uh, decredited his righteousness. That's his purpose. Um, but we can't take that purpose and then, as I was saying before, uh, say, oh, this is all that Jesus was. He was a pacifist. Well, that's clearly not the case. So uh, as you were speaking, Sean, someone has been uh, commenting on your interpretation there. I'm just curious what your thoughts were on this. So they sure. said, this image bear, did Jesus not tell them to get swords for the purpose of fulfilling scripture? I mean, yes, but um, I, I what's uh, sorry, image bearer. What's the uh, um, oh, okay. So later he says, otherwise we don't see the apostles carrying swords later. So it doesn't say one way or the other. Um, I'm not. So I don't know if they had swords with them or not. Um, it doesn't it doesn't say that they didn't have swords. Um, but you also look um, and it says like. But now he that hath a purse, let him take it, and likewise his script. And he that hath no sword, let him sell his government and buy one. So uh, there's more going on than just the swords. It's, okay, this was the way it was, and now we're going to do this. And some of that includes the swords. So I, I, um, I don't know that you could apply that to also the, uh, the uh, purse and the, uh, the money there. 
if that makes sense. Yeah, even if it was a fulfillment of scripture, that doesn't take away the fact that he told them to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jesus did actual things that weren't metaphorical necessarily that were fulfillments of scripture. So I don't think just saying it's a fulfillment of scripture negates that he was telling them to get real swords. There's, I think you're going to have a hard time making an argument of that. Um, but all right. Thanks for the comments, Image Bear. Appreciate it. All right. Moving on. The first one on that list is do not murder. Why? Because murder is the worst act a person can commit. The other four commandments prohibiting stealing, adultery, giving false testimony, and coveting are all serious offenses. But murder leads the list because deliberately taking the life of an innocent person is the most terrible thing we can do. The next time you hear someone cite do not kill when quoting the sixth commandment, Gently, but firmly explain that it actually says, do not murder. I'm Dennis Prager. All right. So that concludes the video. Uh, Sean, he, let's see, he said, Fox of the Martyrs would have been much different if the purpose of Jesus was to teach uh, carrying a sword for self -defense. So I'll offer a clarification here. Um, it's obvious that for reasons of, of um, for religious reasons, for devotion to Christ, right? We're not supposed to defend ourselves for that necessarily, right? We are supposed to um, be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Peter talks about it. Yeah, we, we are supposed to give up our lives for that, but I don't take that as a, uh, as a global or a, a all-encompassing way that we're supposed to live our life right if somebody breaks into my house with the intent of murdering my family i think that's a perfectly applicable act of self-defense um if somebody's persecuting me for the sake of christ then I, I accept that persecution and i don't resist i think that's what uh jesus is getting at in um some of his teachings but i don't see him anywhere uh making the the point that we are now never in any context to to defend ourselves. Um, so the way I interpret the passage uh, that I, uh, I was talking about earlier is before you were totally um, reliant, basically, on the uh, the uh, supernatural providence of God or the providence of God to provide for everything, um, provide for your for your money and such. Now uh, you can you can prepare, essentially, um, you can. So now you can bring your purse and you can have the money in it. Um, and you're going to be, uh, providentially, or, or uh, and then you're taken care of in that way. Um, uh, so same with the, the sword, but, um, you're not, so before they didn't have to worry about potentially like going on the highway and being, uh, being beaten up or anything, um, by, by thieves, but now they might have to worry about that. So they're able to bring the, the, uh, the sword. Uh, that's a distinction I'd love to see spoken about more. I agree totally, but see that the nuance isn't made today, at least often. Well, I mean, I guess we could do a, an episode about that at some point, because that's that's the way I see it, at least. Um, yeah, we could definitely do an episode on that. I didn't, honestly, I didn't even realize there was a whole lot of controversy on this uh, passage that Jesus talked about here. But yeah, that I wouldn't mind having an episode on this at some point. It sounds like it'd be a fruitful discussion. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, Image Bearer. That's uh, that's a very helpful discussion and, and some good points. Appreciate it. Um, before we close out here, I wanted to just 
talk about um i know we've we've talked about kind of what the sixth commandment is not i kind of want to talk a little bit positively about what it is and i'm going to uh, base this off of the westminster larger catechism um so this is question 136 what are the sins forbidden in the sixth commandment the sins forbidden in the sixth commandment are all taking away of the life of ourselves or of others except in case of public justice lawful war or necessary defense the negligence or withdrawing the lawful and necessary means of preservation of life sinful anger hatred envy desire of revenge all excessive passions distracting cares immoderate use of meat drink labor and recreations provoking words oppression quarreling striking wounding and whatsoever else tends to the destruction of the life of any so you can see here that um, the writers the westminster divines are getting at more than just the act of killing we tend to see this um you know in scripture they're following the principles that jesus gives like on the sermon on the mount going to the heart issue not just the actual external act um you know again we go back to the example of matthew 5 with lust the the religious thinking at the time was if i didn't actually commit adultery then technically i'm okay but i can i can have wicked desires in my heart and and i can get away with that so i can do one without the other so i'm not violating the letter of the law but i'm violating the spirit of the law and jesus was saying that both are important both are a violation of the the law one is violating the principle of the law and one is violating the actual letter of the law um and so we see that here with with murder right um and it even talks about these heart desires like uh sinful anger hatred envy desire of revenge so the desire to kill someone is a violation of this commandment because it's rooted in anger and the scriptures talk about anger being uh murderous right jesus talks about hating your brother you're in danger of hellfire right because it's it's uh falls in line with this commandment we even see in first john whoever hates his brother is a murderer right and john is obviously ha talking about people uh in the christian church your brothers and sisters in christ but i think the because he's rooting this in the moral law i think it probably expands beyond that um, but the the point here is that hatred is uh, makes you a murderer because you're hating your brother in your heart you're having ill intention toward him and the, all those kind of thoughts and desires all lead to the destruction of life if they're acted upon. So you're violating the principle, the spirit of the law by doing that. Um, and, and they even bring out other things too. Um, even the omission of things that are uh, that are meant to preserve life is also a violation of this commandment. Um, and we have to be careful not to take this uh, absolutely. I, I think that the, the writers here are very careful to, to clarify what they mean. Uh, they're saying lawful and necessary means of preservation of life. Um, there's going to be risks, whatever we do, wherever we go. There's going to be a risk of loss of life or limb. You drive in your car. You know, those of us who live in the D.C. area, traffic's really bad around here. People are in accidents all the time. People die all the time in accidents or get severely injured. You're putting your life at risk by getting in your car and driving down the street. That's just an inherent risk. Um, but the question becomes, is this an unlawful or an unnecessary risk that I'm taking? Uh, is it something that's going to put me and, and my loved ones in, in such a position that I'm going to probably die or probably get hurt and be neglectful at that point? 
And that's really where you have to weigh those, you know, those options depending on the situation that you're in. Um, but the Westminster divines were careful not to uh, negate any kind of risk. And, and I don't think the scriptures are talking about any kind of risk whatsoever. The point is, um, are reasonable measures being taken to preserve life? Are you wearing your seatbelt when you're riding the car? Are you driving safely? Things like that. Um, those should all be goals that we're, we're going towards um, because we want to preserve life. You know, we stop at the, the red light because we don't want to hit somebody else. And I don't want to die. I don't want to kill somebody else or hurt them. Those are all principles that we should be using to help preserve uh, preserve life. So you can even see those things in here. Uh, even uh, eating and drinking, immoderate use of meat, drink, labor. So um, people who are, are gluttonous or, uh, you know, they're not preserving their life as they're eating in a way that is unhealthy and that will probably kill them um, or put them in, in such a state that their uh, life is going to be at great risk. Um, so, and you could even look at this with the, the COVID situation too. You know, some people, especially the pagan world, made such a big deal about the mask thing, right? Oh, you're not loving your neighbor if you if you don't wear a mask. Um, and again, this is where you have to take a calculated risk. You live in a place with, with a high transmission rate, with a high death rate, where people are more likely to die, then maybe it's good to wear a mask or to avoid other people. But if you live like where we live in Virginia, where the, the death rate is very low based on the uh, the amount of deaths or the amount of cases that have come through, then you probably don't need to. It, it's a calculated risk that you have to take. Yeah, that gets into a little bit of liberty of conscience, because as far as I'm concerned, like 90% of the, the masks you saw people wearing weren't going to prevent transmission anyway. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, unless you were wearing an N95, it wasn't going to it wasn't going to do much. For it wasn't going to do a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, and hopefully we don't get too off track with this, but um, that's it's what you were saying, Dan, like you have to, you have to take, you have to analyze the risk for yourself, exactly. understand it. And um, therefore act appropriately to preserve the well-being of your neighbor. And that's uh, on you. I don't see anywhere where God has granted that authority to the state to do that. Now uh, we as Christians can live in, in tyrannical States, you know, um, we're able to, to get along with that. And um, assuming it doesn't, what the state asks us to do doesn't make us sin, um, then we, we, we should obey by default um, what they're asking us to do because they are the, uh, the authority that God has put over uh, us, us. But um, ultimately this should be a, a liberty of conscience issue. And um, while if you, if you are reckless with the life of your neighbor, that's, that's something that God will hold you to account to um, not necessarily in this life, but certainly in the life to come. Yeah, and, I, and I'm not, I do think that the government does play a role in the preservation of life. I think that's part of the God-given. It, it, yeah, yeah, God -given I, yeah, I definitely should be clear about that. Because, yeah, the Romans 13 says the, the sword is given to the state to, yep. to punish evildoers, right? So um, there's definitely a role it plays, but there are some areas of life that I think it should be left up to the, the individual. It's not the state's purview to to get into your head and like, Oh, well, you know, you, you have this set of information and um, you made the wrong decision here. So we're going to punish you. I think that's probably an overstepping of it. Uh, yeah. I, I think it would depend on the situation, but it does. Yeah, it I does. think like, especially when they, when they were imposing um, those, 
kind of measures in churches, right? And regulating worship. Yeah. That's well, definitely out of bounds of where they should. Yeah. You know, that that's up to the individual church to make that decision. Exactly. Not the state. You're overstepping exactly. your bounds at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it it depends on the situation. It has to be yeah. analyzed on a case by case basis. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, the point is that life has to be preserved. Um, it can be we can take things too far or not be careful enough. And, and that's just something we have to as individuals and the state too. the state has to make sure that they're balancing out those things. You know, are we overstepping our bounds or are we actually preserving life in a, in a lawful way? Um, th those are all things that we have to work out. Um, and they're, they're not always clear cut either. You know, it's sometimes there's issues. It's like, man, this is a really difficult Mm -hmm. conundrum that i have mm -hmm. to work through but you gotta we pray we we seek guidance from those wiser than us and we try to make the best decision that we can based on the information that we have um, but the point is is that we should seek the preservation of all life and that we should uh, not put our neighbor in in great risk where they don't need to be um, and otherwise we're we're guilty of violating the uh, the spirit and maybe even the letter of the commandment if we're not careful. So we, we have to, as Christians, guard ourselves. And as humanity in general, we have to, you know, preserve the image of God in, in man. So, all right. Any closing thoughts, Sean? Uh, no, I don't think so. All right. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us today. This is, um, you know, been an interesting study. This, again, this is probably one of the more controversial even among Christian circles, like how to apply the sixth commandment, I think is tends to be a little bit more controversial than maybe some of the other oh. commandments. And, and then maybe the Sabbath day that. Might yeah. Be yeah. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> the <about>. Sabbath <laughs> day and in the sixth commandment, like those uh, can get a little uh, controversial sometimes, but, um, but they're all important. All these commandments are important. It's God's law. It's how he has described that we are to live. And, uh, and we seek to align our lives with that. But thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Have a great Lord's Day tomorrow, and Lord willing, we will be back next week. Take care.